90s footy fans, welcome to episode 63 of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. This week we chat with multiple Hawthorne Premiership midfielder, Darren Pritchard. Darren, a Tasmanian football product, made his way to the Hawthorne Football Club via the inaugural 1986 VFL Draft with pick 26. Darren made immediate impression in the brown and gold, featuring in 211 games over his 10-year career. Darren was a valuable member of three Hawthorne Premiership teams and was a three-time Tasmanian State of Origin captain. In this episode, Darren chats about how he joined the Hawthorne Football Club, the emotional roller coaster during the 1987 Grand Final week, the three Premiership wins, playing State of Origin football for Tasmania, breaking his leg in 1995, and playing alongside some of the greatest mullets the game has ever seen. I hope you enjoy the 63rd member of the 90s Club Footy Podcast, Darren Pritchard. Darren Pritchard, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast, mate. We're to have you on and uh, look forward to you reminiscing about your time at the mighty Hawthorne Hawks. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Trent. Thanks for having me. Mate, before we talk all things footy and what a footy journey we're going to uh, sort of dissect um, during your time in the 80s and 90s at the Hawthorne Football Club, what are you doing with yourself at the moment, mate? And is there any footy involvement still within your life? Uh, No direct footy involvement. Uh, I get involved uh, here and there with Hawthorne. I'm on one of the uh, committees uh, there, so... Uh, but no direct coaching or um, player involvement. Um, obviously, I've got some friends in there still. Uh, Andy Connors, uh, Collins is development coach there, um, so I catch up with Andy uh, quite regularly. Um, so, um, yeah, no real direct involvement in footy, um, but I still still really love the game. And what about work-wise, mate? What are you doing yourself with um, you know, as an occupation? Yeah, so I'm the operations director at a manufacturing engineering company. Um, so uh, it's called Booker. We're um, Swiss owned. Um, we uh, turn over around 180 million a year uh, building uh, mobile equipment. Um, so we've got four manufacturing facilities which I look after. So uh, certainly keeps me busy. Um, so yeah, uh, plenty to do. Now, you're a proud a Tasmanian, I should say. You, uh, you're recruited from uh, Sandy Bay over to the Hawthorne Football Club in the 1986 draft. Um, tell us a bit about the journey from coming from Tasmania all the way to Hawthorne. Was it, was it expected? Was there a connection there with Hawthorne that landed you there? Or was it just by luck and them seeing what they liked with uh, you know, Darren Pritchard in the football you were playing over in Tassie? Yeah, so I, um, I played two seasons of senior footy in Tassie. Um, so, um, you know, I think that held me in pretty good stead when I came across, but, um, in that time, um, I guess I always had a desire to play AFL footy. So it was what I really wanted to do. Um, and I guess you always, uh, hope you're lucky enough to, to get through the system. But, um, I had a, a quite a good year in 86, um, the coach of, 
uh, Sandy Bay, who I was playing with down there, um, was a guy called Andy Bennett. Uh, Andy played some games for St Kilda, um, but also for Hawthorne as well. So he was number 18 at Hawthorne. Um, and uh, unbeknownst to me, he was sending, he had a good relationship with um, the footy club still. He was sending videos across. Um, I'm not quite sure where it got to DVDs at that point, but um, <laughs> it's probably videos. Um, and uh, so, um, yeah, he was he was sending that across. I actually didn't um, have a lot of contact. I had no contact with Hawthorne during the year. Um, we ended up playing in a grand final down there, which we lost, um, uh, which we should have won. Um, but uh, we got touched up on the on the last day down there, which was which was unfortunate. Um, but then I started to get contact from quite a few clubs. Um, I actually thought I was going to Fitzroy. Uh, David Parkin came down a couple of times, another Hawthorne connection, um, and spoke to me. Um, Andy uh, Bennett hadn't let on that he'd sent stuff across, um, but then I had a phone call with Hawthorne and they said they were interested. Um, But it was just a phone call, whereas I had face-to-face meetings with the Brisbane Bears at the time, St Kilda, Fitzroy, a couple of times. Um, So I knew I was in in there somewhere um, and then on draft day I got a call uh, at work um, which was pretty exciting and um, I got the nod for Hawthorne. To be totally honest with you at the time I was a bit disappointed um, uh, because, you know, Hawthorne had just won a premiership in 86. Um, you know, they were, they, were, they were a pretty good side at that point in time so I thought my chances um, might have been a bit uh, difficult. Um, but um, uh, it was a dream of mine to, to play, so I was just going to come across and give it a good shot no matter uh, who picked me up. So I was, I was happy to, to get into the system to start with. Hawthorne, obviously, as you sort of touched on there, a really highly successful mm-hmm. club in the 80s and played in mass grand finals even before you arrived um, at Glen Ferry. How did you feel walking through the doors for the first time? Was it really intimidating because... Geez, I'm just looking at the list of names that you might have come across. Kennedy, Mew, Dunstall, Brereton, Matthews, like some absolute yeah. superstars of the competition. That would have been pretty intimidating for a you know a 20, 21 year old to come over and um, you know, walk through the doors for the very first time. Yeah, Trent, probably more so because I barrack for them. So <laughs> uh, as a kid, I uh, wrote to Peter Knights and um uh, he wrote me a letter back, um, sent me a, a pitch signed picture. Um, I had the team uh, team photo, you know, poster up on my bedroom wall. Um, so um, to then walk in and have these guys that you know I'd uh, been watching uh, as a kid uh, growing up, um, but to then walk through the door um, was was pretty intimidating, but um, it was quite a funny start, to be honest, because um, Rodney Ede was uh, uh, assigned as a mentor of mine for the first night, um, which was a real stroke of luck. Uh, being, a, being another Tasmanian, um, he gave me the best piece of advice um, that I got, and that was on my very first night walking in. He said, you're going to be bombarded tonight, Pritch, with, um, with Tasmanian jokes. And the very best thing you can do um, is laugh because he said, if you don't, I'll be at you for the rest of your career. Um, so 
So I reckon I uh, grew a set of abs that night. I'd laugh that much. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of jokes going back and forth, and I even told a couple of my own, um, which uh, put them on the back foot a little bit. But it was it was an awesome piece of advice. But um, they were very welcoming. Welcoming, um, you know. Um, I think the 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 Tassie um, boy in me kind of um, uh, and all the jokes that go along with that kind of helped things along a little bit but it was a it was an awesome first night but then uh pretty quickly we were down to some pretty hard work your major debut in round eight 1987 you were able to maintain your spot for most of the year which also resulted in a grand final appearance and i think as you said probably playing that senior football in the previous two seasons before going the hawks may have really helped you adapt to the level a lot quicker than what maybe an 18, 19-year-old would have um, done in, in the same sort of uh, situation as you? Yeah, I think so. I think I think uh, for me, yeah, playing against men for a couple of years really, really helped me. Um, so, you know, getting into some one-on-one practice uh, against, you know, the biggest size bodies there really didn't daunt me that much. Um and once you get into it, you kind of um, you realise that they're only human, just like yourself. And so you gain a bit of confidence from that. You know, you winning a one-on-one against Dipper, um, you know, is um, kind of builds your confidence. Um, I did get off to a slow start. Um, fair to say, in the practice matches, I wasn't much chop. Just trying to get up with the speed of the game, I guess. Um, but then, uh, pretty quickly, I started to get into to the flow of things. Um, and then, even I guess, uh, pretty early in the year, I was getting calls from Yabby on a Friday night to say, you know, you're pretty close. Hang in there. Keep playing. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Um, they actually, I, I was pretty fit, but they were questioning my fitness at the time because I was puffing and blowing, but um, then they started to record how far I was running and they started to see that, you know, there's that was the reason why I was kind of getting a fair bit of the footy. <laughs> what, um, sort of so, what sort of distances were you sort of covering there, Pritch? Uh, well, we were doing, um, we were doing like 14K uh, runs um, in the preseason and so, you know, I was getting probably more tired uh, during a match than doing those runs. So we'd have to be doing, you know, that and perhaps a bit more um, at the particular time, which was probably a little bit out of the box um, because, you know, a lot of the wingmen um, in that particular time were, were pretty tall, you know. Um, so, um, you know, Dipper was on the other wing. So, um, yeah, it was... Um, it was kind of Yabby kind of saw it as a bit of an advantage where I could, while I didn't have the height, I could uh, get a fair cover a fair bit of ground and get away from some of the bigger blokes. Towards full forward, no mark taken. Ball now for Pritchard. Shot for goal by Pritchard. What can he do? He can get a goal. That is a great kick. 1987, the grand final week would have been one of uh, major emotions for yourself. I know that. Um, you played in the prelim, unfortunately lost your spot in the side. I think it might have been um, Andy Collins that might have taken that spot in 87. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then you received a late call-up for the injured Jason Dunstall. I think he may have hurt an ankle or it was a leg leg injury. And then the squad, uh, you know, and then obviously the squad couldn't quite get the job done in 87 against the Blues. You know, that whole week would have been just a, a, a wave of emotions, I would have thought, obviously, being in the team and then obviously, unfortunately, losing your spot, getting back in there and then 
yeah. unfortunately not getting that, um, you know, the top prize. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it was, I guess one thing that Yabby used to always say to us is that, you know, you, you need to fill your boots. You've probably heard it from the other guys. Um, and and what he's saying is that you may not ever get the chance again, you know, to, to uh, play in a grand final. So, you know, having – I didn't have a great game. It was the, the Melbourne game out at AFL Park um, uh, where Bucky kicked the goal after the siren, yeah, to get us into the grand final. Uh, awesome game to be involved with. I was playing back pocket that day, um, tagging Jackson, I think his name was, little fella, ran round, kicked a, kicked a couple of goals. So um, I didn't have the best of games. Um, so it was probably, um, you know, um, the right thing to do selection-wise. Um, but it always hurts. Um, but then, yeah, there was this uh, roller coaster. So then, um, you know, I had that emotion. But then early in the week they knew, pretty much knew that Jason wasn't going to make it. Uh, his ankle was too bad. So then um, I got the confidential call from Yabby um, that I'd probably be moving into the side. Um, uh, but I couldn't tell anyone. Uh, and that included my family. So um, that was pretty interesting. So I was communicating with mum and dad and uh, telling them that I'd see him in the stand. I just need to do, um, I, as an emergency, I just need to be in the rooms and then I'd uh, be sitting next to him. So I'd see him um, as soon as the guys ran out on the ground. So when I went into the when I went into the change rooms, I went. I had my bag, been an emergency, but I went straight into Yabby's. Uh, we're into the coaching room, um, which was where the players would be addressed. Um, and then uh, Jason, they put an injection in his ankle and got him to do the rumour. Um, so I, as soon as I got there, I went into this room and I didn't come out until we were about to run onto the ground. So it was quite an interesting experience just coming into the game. So it was another uh, unusual episode and then... Um, yeah, so then running out onto the ground was, it was a huge thrill. It didn't go our way, um, um, but I, uh, fortunately I, I got a, a couple more chances at that, three more. Yeah, and the next <laughs> two years, good. mate, unbelievable. And I guess, um, you know, 88, a really comprehensive win in the end against Melbourne. Um, and then 89, we know the the story of 89, like just to, to mm. taste one, let alone two, and then obviously three in 91, to taste premiership glory, just tell us the you know the the feel that you got from you know even that first one. Yeah, I think um, for me the feeling uh, at the end of the games is a relief. So there's a lot of pressure that builds up, you know. Um, particularly '89, we um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to go back to back. You know, no Hawthorne side had done it prior to that. Um, and there was, uh, I think there was only like four or five sides in the history of the game at that point that had actually done it. So um, we'd set ourselves right from the end of 88, um, start of 89 with that goal. Um, so, you know, we're a pretty good side. Um, you know, we were challenged a lot during the year. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was great to, to be able to absorb that pressure and, uh, and win the game. Uh, in 89 and and I think like them all it's a bit of a relief they're all got a slightly different feel but 
um, you know, it's uh, it's more relief that you know the pressure comes off and you can finally celebrate something um, that's um, you know a great achievement for the for the club. We look at all the grand finals and all the great grand finals, and you know the number the one we always look back to is '89. Like to be a part of that game that had so many things happening, obviously. The heroics of Ablett, you know, the injuries to Brerett and Dipper Domenico, um, you know, just the closeness of the game. It had everything. Is you know, the greatest grand final in my mind that I've seen during my time watching footy. To be a part of that and looking back at it now, you must sort of grin and just think, you know, it was pretty cool to be you know, a part of that that 89 grand final winning team, but also just the grand final itself. Yeah, it was. I think um, there were some outstanding efforts in, you know, that game. I mean, we lost... Uh, rad early. Um, so um, that was a bit of a blow. Um, in fact, there's, there's a little bit of a story around that. Um, a lot of people thought that I went into the centre and replaced Rat uh, in that game, but that's that's not what happened. Um, so we were going to put one tag on that day and that was Tucky on the Bearstow. Um, so whoever's spot Bearstow come out to um, had to go into the into Tucky's Ruck Rovers role um, and Yabby used to always bag us. He's saying that I can't make the game too complicated because you're not smart enough, you guys. <laughs> so um, so it was a very simple move. Besto started to run out to my wing. Uh, Tucky came out to my wing. I went into the centre as a ruck rover and basically ruck rove the whole day. Um, so, um, yeah, so we. I, I guess there's a bit of a story around the rat thing that everyone thinks that's why I was uh, I was ruck roving, um, but um, it's not quite how it unfolded. But there was some awesome acts, you know, uh, Dermot getting up after you know um, that that early knock. I think that was really important for us. Um, he got an outstanding pass from Pritchard early on, which. Um, which he kicked a goal from. Um, it wasn't that good. I usually put a bit of audio on as well. So we're going to find that pass and put it just around this conversation time as well, mate. <laughs> yeah, so then he kicked a goal and I think, yeah, we really we really got away early um, with a nice lead there. Um, but I think the most significant um, sacrifice was, um, uh, you know, in the end, Robert Dippier, Domenico, and uh, he's, uh, you know, with there's 30 seconds to go. Um, he's got broken ribs, punctured lungs, and he throws his body on top of the ball to, to hold it up in the middle of the ground uh, to stop, you know, their momentum at that particular time. So it's a, it was an incredible uh, sacrifice that he made uh, in that time. But uh, like you say, if you look across the course of the game, there's so so many moments. Um, but that last one kind of sticks with you a bit. Kennedy, the opportunity, sweeping hand pass over the top, sends Pritchard away. Down towards full forward, Broughton, the test here. He's taken the mark. What a courageous mark. And it's on centre wing. Well, that was a fitness test for Dermot Brereton. He went back and he took it. Well, this is happening, as you can see. This is going to be the order of the day. I thought it might have started earlier than now, but what a great mark you called it, Dennis. Dermot Brereton, as always, relishing being in the thick of things. Down in the first 15 seconds of the game, a chance to kick Hawthorne's second goal from 25 metres out. He's put it through. 
Let's look at the 90s, Pritch. Um, the golden era continued for the Hawks in 1991. Another premiership mm-hmm. at AFL Park. Um, a lot of readings that I've done in preparation of our chat is the performance you displayed that day and obviously going head-to-head with one of the other great wingmen of the competition at that time and Peter Matera. Um, yeah. yeah, what a great head-to-head matchup. And he was a, a crucial part of the Eagles setup. Um, to sort of nullify him and run with him and 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 perform really well yourself, along with you know getting the premiership, you know another another memorable day for for your you know uh, football career. Yeah, it was a it was a great day again. It was a little bit of a different feel. Again, relief, but we kind of knew a bit earlier that we'd we'd kind of got that one. Um, but it was an interesting run into the game. I think I think we'd won the the game. In hindsight, it's easy to say, but um, it was coming into the the, um, the final series um, was where we got hold of them. West Coast were the were the best side um, through the course of the year, so you know, home and away wise, they were they were outstanding. I think um, from memory, they had one of the lowest uh, scores against um, across you know the home and away season. On record, it was it was pretty incredible. They had a great backline, you know. McKenna, Worsfold, Jakovic, these guys were were pretty amazing. Um, and then we went across. I think it was like round twenty or something like that. I'm guessing a little bit there to to Western Australia to to play them. We lost the game, but um, we didn't lose it by a lot. Um, and we kind of sent a message that you know we're in the hunt. Um, uh, so we we weren't going to go down without a fight. Uh, then we got the first final back over there, um, and so yeah, we were able to get on top of them in that game. And even through those games, I was playing on Matera um, through those games as well. So that was that was um, uh, he was an incredible player. Um, but we we tried to do our own thing and exploit him back the other way as well. Um, he loved to run forward, um, but so my task was trying to get him to run uh, back and into our our forward line. So um, I relied on a bit of fitness there to or gut running to to get him back the other way, um, uh, which worked a bit. Got him a, a bit more defensive than what he probably would have liked. Um, so yeah, we had we had our own strategy around that, um, but it was um, you know going into the grand final. Um, it was um, we were reasonably confident we could do well that day, and um, it turned out that way for us, which was which was pretty awesome. I'll tell you what, mate. I'm a Geelong supporter, and I wish we had that. I wish we had Deep Richard running with for us in 1992, <laughs> mate. When Matera's kicked five off the wing, that would have been pretty handy, <laughs> that's for sure. Hey, um, mate, um, you represented Tasmania on numerous occasions, as well as having the uh, you know the um, opportunity to captain. Um, is there a win that stood out more than any for your time when you represented Tassie? And that would have been a great moment for you as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, 1990, yeah, we beat the Vicks. Um, so um, I guess as a, as a, I don't know, as a kid, I used to go and watch all the Tassie games. You know, Victoria used to come down and wallop the Tasmanians, you know, on North Hobart Oval. Um, but I used to love going there and seeing the skill of, you know, Kevin Bartlett and these guys that would come down and and uh, and play against the Tasmanians. So then, then to eventually get to a point where, you know, we could actually, um, you know, match it with with the Victorians, um, that was that was uh, 
that was uh, pretty awesome. But, um, you know, there was no, we didn't really go into it over, you know, really confident we could win that game. There's only been one other Tasmanian team to beat Victoria um, and uh, that was back in, um, testing me now, it's back in this probably in the early 60s. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome day, mostly for the Tasmanian public. I remember, um, you know, being captain of the side was special for me, but the most special thing was all the kids and the families and that um, that were on the ground after the game. I think it took me about 30 minutes to actually uh, leave the field, um, along with teammates as well, just talking to people and they were so um, they were so thrilled. It was really good. Would have been awesome, especially against that all-conquering Victorian side. We've had, we've had some great names, but I remember looking at your side, like you had some stars in your, your Tasmanian team of that 1990 side as well. Yeah, we did. We had a really good side, you know. Um, you talk about Alastair Lynch and, you know, Matty Armstrong and, um, you know, we had some good injection from some Tasmanian players as well, um, Manson. Um, so we had we had quite a, a decent side um, for sure. Um, so we knew we'd do okay. It was quite interesting, um, you know, Ezzy was captain of Gary Ayres was captain <laughs> of the other side. And Ayres is frightening enough when he's on your own side, um, let alone uh, going to shake his hand in the middle of the ground. So, yeah, probably put myself a bit. Uh, he, he probably nearly broke my hand as well, um, shaking it. Um, but as he was, uh, as he, uh, getting off track here, as he was amazing. You know, we talk about the day in 1991 I played on the Tira. I remember um, a ball landing um, in between Ezzy and I. Uh, it was somewhere between half uh, the back pocket and the half um, back flank. And um, so we're both running towards the ball um, and he got there before me. Um, but there was no way he was picking the ball up. He had something else um, in his sights and so I had Matera chasing me. So I've picked the ball up and all I could hear was uh, Ezzy um, taking the wind out of um, Matera uh, right behind me. So um, having guys like that on your side is uh, is awesome, but uh, not so great when you go into the middle of the ground, shake their hand, knowing that uh, they're probably <laughs> going to try and do the same thing to you. That's better play by the Hawks. Anderson White has got Dibier Domenico. Can he get back there? He can. He's got it. Dunstall makes the lead. Out he comes. Pritchard chips across his full forward. Pritchard into an open goal. What a brilliant goal that was. Hey, the next few seasons, obviously after that 91 flag, 92 and 94, the Hawks were still playing finals, but I guess it was a time of transition as well, Pritch. And, um, you know, we saw a lot of the grand final heroes of 88, 89, 91 finishing their time in the game. So that would have been an interesting time to be a part of the Hawks. Yeah, it was difficult. Um, I guess, you know, we we went through that, that merger year um, and then, you know, with that financial difficulty, um, the club had to to move on some some uh, you know players that had um, been really dedicated to to Hawthorne. So that was that was really difficult, you know, being one of the players that that wasn't moved on and seeing your mates, you know, 
leaving was uh, it's quite a difficult experience. Um, and then all the whole merger thing, you know, wasn't, um, I guess it wasn't that, that pleasant um, through that time. Um, I always talk about um, uh, people ask me about that, that uh, you know, year where, um, you know, we're going through the merger. And, and many people say that the, the reason that, um, you know, uh, we remained uh, standalone um, was because we made the finals that year. So we made the finals by two points um, and um, so we, we just snuck in there. But uh, the two points came from a game uh, at the Western Oval um, so um, I picked the ball up on the halfback flank, um, kicked it to Dunstall. Dunst, it was a wet day. Dunstall handballed it to me. I think I was in shock that he actually handballed the ball. Um, and then I started, I was running into an open goal and I got to about 15 metres out and missed, um, which levelled the scores. Um, and so... Um, just saying I saved the club because those two points were so vital. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, I guess it was a really difficult time um, through that time. Um, You know, the players that moved on, some did really well and some, you know, uh, struggled a little bit. But, um, uh, yeah, it was was tough and we kind of did go into transition. We had some good players coming young players coming through, Raiden Tallis, Luke McCabe, Mark Graham, these types of guys were, were coming through. Think of the time we had Daniel Harford as well. Yep. Um, so a good group of players coming through, um, but it uh, took a little while for us um, to recover, um, yeah, after that. Back to that amalgamation talks, and obviously it's it's an interesting period because I think too the the, the ironic thing was you guys playing that merger game in the last round of the season against Melbourne at the MCG, and he's just got over the line by, I think, might have been a point or something like that, yeah. Dunstall goal. But you being a part of the Hawthorne fabric for, you know, obviously, um, you know, 10 years at that stage, did you feel that it was not looking great for the Hawks? Or did, were you, did you have an air of confidence that you could, that the Hawks, the footy club could get through it and you could stay and remain standalone? Um. I was uh, I was really hopeful that that could happen, but um, you kind of feel like you don't have any control over that um, as a as a player. You know, a lot of it's being played out. Um, uh, you know, at corporate level or you know, administration level. So it's so it's um, you kind of feel a little bit helpless. I think um, you know uh, you know Langer's coming off the ground after that game and you know holding his jumper in the air. Um, I think that was, you know, one of the one of the loudest statements from from a from a player, um, because it's really, you know, we were to, we were trying to uh, play and uh, and be as successful as we could. And I guess uh, probably unwittingly, you think that, you know, if we can perform pretty well, it might help the cause. But mm. um, yeah, it's you kind of feel a bit like you don't know what to do. One last question before I give you a couple of quick handballs to finish off the podcast, mate. I've really enjoyed yeah. our chat. You broke your leg in 95 against Essendon. It was a season-ending injury. Did that have a lot of effect of your on your footy afterwards? Because I guess when you look at the, the last couple of seasons, you probably didn't get the games that we would have normally seen Darren Pritchard play. Did that have a huge effect on how you sort of finished? 
Uh, it wasn't the. It wasn't just the broken leg. So what happened was, um, I had three seasons of injuries that um, uh, really hurt. So I had. Um, do you remember what year I broke my leg? Ninety five. Ninety five. So, so ninety four. I had stress fractures in my feet. Um, so I played. Uh, I played from about round eleven to the end of the year with stress fractures in my feet. I was having injections in my feet to train, uh, injections in my feet to play. Um, so um, that that was uh, that was extremely difficult. Um, to to get through that season. Um, then I broke my leg. Uh, then the year after, I had double hernias. Um, so I had uh, double hernia operation. So yes, the leg probably had an impact, but it was a, a it was the three things in a row. Um, and I lost leg speed. I lost uh, power to drive through. You know that lower that lower end um, because of those injuries. Um, so I became, I lost a bit of speed through it um, and I had to build back up my endurance base because I'd been, um, it'd been really difficult to train uh, through that time. Um, so, um, yeah, the broken leg was a bit unfortunate. It was, um, uh, it was, it ended up being Paul Deere that uh, fell on my leg and, and broke my leg, um, but it wasn't his fault. He was actually helping me out. Um, I, I remember running, uh, was against Essendon, um, and I was, uh, running forward, uh, into the, into the forward line. Hutto had led, uh, I'd kicked the ball, um, and then got a dig in the ribs from Wanganeen. Um, I wasn't too happy about that. So I chased him down to, to kind of get a bit even, um, and we we're on the ground and Paul's come in to drag him away. Um, and then they've someone else's push ball onto my leg, oh. and um, that's how the leg got broken. So it was, it was a bit of a, uh, it was a bit of a funny one, but um, that's what happens in footy, I guess. Oh, some strong play by all the players. Oh, Gillen is ironed out with a hip and shoulder band a half. This allows Pritchard to come into an open goal. Darren Pritchard kicks. Is that a goal? Yes. Has not moved since he's been hit there by Dermot Burton. Hip and shoulder. It was hip and shoulder, no doubt about that. Vanderhaar wide open when he was hit. Mate, I'm going to give you a couple of quick handball questions, um, and these are just one one word of responses, and it's always a bit of a tester for uh, for me guests when they have to just use one word to describe a few teammates and so forth. So. One word yeah. to describe these. This is where teammates. I swear, yeah. No, that's this all right. Is where I swear. That's all right. So the first <laughs> one I'm going to give you, Fridge. Um, one word to describe Dipper. Oh God, uh, painful. Um, yeah. Do I elaborate? <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, I, I think um, one thing, one story really sums Dipper up for me. Um, he was extremely confident and he still is and he will talk to you all day about himself uh, and not ask you one question. But I remember I arrived at the club, he just won the Brownlow um, and uh, he uh, he was feeling pretty good about himself, but his preseason form wasn't that flash. And I remember I wasn't I wasn't going that well myself, uh, just coming into to the system. Um, but I gave him a touch up on the wing in one of the practice matches, um, 
And so he's, he was struggling a little bit, you know, with the weight of the Brownlow and that type of thing. Um, and, but he wanted to wear this lace-up jumper. Um, so he's gone to the committee and said, you know, do you guys mind if I wear, you know, the new lace-up jumper? Um, and they've got, the committee's gone, no, we have no problem with that, but you've got to go and see uh, and get approval from Alan Jeans. Um, so he goes down to, to Alan Jeans um, and says, look, Yabby, I've got approval from the committee. I'd like to wear this lace-up jumper. And Yabby goes, well, mate, I think you better go and see the reserves coach. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he never wore the jumper, um, but he never stopped trying to, to be a bit Larry old dipper. Um, but he was, a, he was a great teammate. You know, I have great respect for him, but um, he loves to talk about himself. So painful. Painful, right? I'll get you to share a word on these guys. I'm going to test you. Chris Mew, one word to describe Chris Mew. Dependable, one of the best centre backs, intercept marks before his time, intercept marker. Ray Jenke. Ah, God, Ray Jenke. So, nicknamed Lolly Legs because he hasn't got a hair uh, on his body. <laughs> uh, or uh, sunken uh, treasure chest. Um, so we used to call him the pirate as well. There, I mean, I've got nicknames everywhere for him. But how well balanced was he? He was one of the most well balanced players uh, in the game, and a great friend as well. Mate, who was your hardest opponent? Uh, probably Nathan Burke, I reckon. Um, so Nathan, I used to get tagged by a few people, and when we played St Kilda, Nathan uh, was. Um, uh, probably the guy to tag me. It was extremely difficult uh, to get away. He could run outside. He could get get inside uh, as well. Um, so I really struggled um, against him. Um, so I didn't get too many kicks when he was assigned um, to the tag. I had a couple of hard days against Anthony Stevens as well. Um, and then I really enjoyed the other contests where, you know, like the Peter Matera contests, Yep. Uh, difficult opponent, but I really like the challenge of that. And the last one, mate, the mullet was a huge hairstyle fashion back in the day. You wore mm. it pretty well, big fella, from uh, from Sandy Bay, Tasmania. But you weren't the lone hawk to wear the mullet. You had Dunstall, you had Jenky, you had Dermy, you had Ayres, Dipper and Johnny Platten. You all had great hair. Who was that? who had the best one? Who who If you had a competition, who would have had the, the would have been judged the best mullet? Uh, well, they actually did have a competition. They had an online competition at Hawthorne where you could actually uh, uh, cast a vote. And I think the right man won it. I think Ezzy had uh, probably the best mane uh, out of everyone. Um, <laughs> big, curly, ratty mane. So Conan, the barbarian, I reckon he was. He had the best, uh, the best mullet out of everyone. And uh, that's that's what come out of uh, the competition that Rufun had on their website. Darren Pritchard, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk footy with you, mate. Really appreciate you spending some time on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Trent. That was awesome. Number 18, Darren Pritchard. That's the end of episode number 63. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear. Next week, our guest is longtime AFL assistant coach, Alan McConnell. 
tough, it's rugged, it's good, solid AFL football.